right, we got some questions from we the crowd. We got some questions from yeah, the crowd. Man. Got some Flam crowd. Crowd questions. questions. Crowd questions. Yeah. We've got some questions. We got some questions from the crowd. Yeah. Got some questions from the crowd. Questions, questions. Crowd questions. Rapid fire. Okay, so we have a we have a bunch of questions or suggestions rather for some topics for the podcast this week. So we're gonna take advantage of uh, the re- the just lump sum of questions that someone sent in. Um, I think they're all really great questions, so we're going to kind of rapid fire through these bad boys. Um, rapid if- fire! Rip, 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 rapid fire. <laughs> we're going rap- to rapid fire through, <laughs> through, the- through these questions. Um, who knows? Maybe one person will take it. Maybe two people will take it. Maybe we'll fight over the mics. Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, pretty impromptu. So the first question we, we got on here, what bad, what bad habit or tendency did you have to overcome as a rep in order to succeed in the sales industry? Oh, man, what a great question. Oh, what a great question. We got some great listeners out there. You guys, we got great fans, <laughs> a huge fan base. We really appreciate you guys. <laughs> yeah, so I actually checked our stats on, on Anchor. On, wait, what? I actually checked our stats on Anchor, and we, it turns out we actually have the most attractive fan base of any podcast. Ah, oh, that's crazy how they keep that as an actual stat. It's true. It's true. Have, though, for real? Uh, we have approximately 160 unique listeners, and we have the highest percentage, like, you know, uh, uggo to hot dude ratio. Um, we have the most attractive <laughs> uh, listeners uh, per capita uh, of any other podcast. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. So, um, what, so what bad yeah, habit? What bad here? There we go. What bad habit or <laughs> tendency did you have to overcome as a rep? Okay. Uh, yeah. So bad habits in the field, or just bad habits in general um, as a rep. Uh, I mean, we touched on it a little bit when we talked about habits in that previous episode. But one of my biggest bad habits was um, I had the habit of making excuses and uh, like selling myself, basically just. Um, false ideas so like i have making excuses of like oh i can't work out oh i can't eat healthy like i had bad habits of um like not working out not taking care of myself um and honestly just like as a sales rep like your your body and your mind like you have to be on point like whether or not you have energy throughout the day and whether or not you have like mental clarity and like whether or not um you're just able to focus I mean, when in the sales industry, that's literally whether or not you're able to like do your job successfully. I know, Kevin, you're a huge advocate for um, just like taking care of your health, translating to, uh, you know, like mental health, translating to just doing this job well. Yeah, I, I, well, I mean, it's, it's pretty logical when you truly think about it. Um, your body is obviously what carries you wherever you're going. So if you don't take care of it, it's going to, you know, it's not going to be exactly it's not going to be in your favor whenever you're trying to do things mentally. Uh, if you don't take care of what you put in your body, your body's not going to take care of you. So um, my biggest thing, 100%, was relying too much on my personality and being extroverted. Naturally, I already thought to myself that, you know, I could do this. You know, I'm, I was going to be successful regardless. So I decided that the system wasn't for me, uh, even though I've never done sales before at that point or very minimal sales, uh, like retail experience and stuff like that. I decided that personality was the way to go and I didn't need the pitch. So 
or I didn't need any of the systems. Um, whenever I started using the systems, I obviously, you know, was able to accomplish, um, pretty, yeah, pretty good success, like pretty crazy success. So that was definitely my, my biggest bad habit. That's for sure. Um, which actually a lot of people deal with, um, number two, did you ever have a, why am I doing this moment and have to recommit in order to not quit? Um, I did within my first week, honestly, um, like my first week of doing sales and like pursuing the opportunity of, you know, expanding out and opening my own business before I even really had a grasp on the opportunity in front of me. Um, yeah, my first week I still had, you know, my account up and running on like multiple job ads, like basically the, all the different job platforms that we recruit from now. Um, I still had active accounts like up until like my first like week or two. Um, I just, and it kind of clicked one of the times when somebody offered me a position and I was trying to like negotiate for like a better opportunity with them, <laughs> leveraging the opportunity that I had. And then at that point I realized like, Oh, I've, I've already got what I'm looking for. Like I just need to, um, I just need to basically like throw away my plan B and focus on plan A. Yeah, I think, and I think that one thing that people don't realize too is that sometimes you still question what you're doing. Like sometimes. Oh, yeah, I, imposter syndrome. Yeah. Mm. I still question sometimes if I, you know, is, am I doing the right thing? Like at the end of the day, are we in the sell, like, are we in the sales industry? Yeah. But we're more in the, you know, personal development industry and developing of, of the people in our offices and being a leader to people, you know? And I think that's the hardest position to be in. A lot of the times, you know, I'm sure uh, people will feel this once they get promoted to ownership. They're like, man, like sometimes I just wanna do something where everything relies on me. I don't have to worry about- Oh yeah. Yeah, I don't have to worry about if somebody's gonna call in sick. I don't have to worry about if somebody's just, you know, not gonna take my advice and not work hard. Um, so I think that that just doesn't go away, but specifically from the rep, you know, position, yeah, I mean, of course I did. I think that I thought about that a lot when I didn't have electricity. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, but I knew, I never questioned if I was going to get promoted to management. I just questioned when it was going to be, and I and I needed it to happen faster. But as soon as I stopped worrying about time, and I knew that it was coming, is when I was able to do the right things and take care of people the right way in order to get promoted. Love it. Number three, so many people are scared of face-to-face -face sales or cold calling on the phone when they enter this business. What would you say to them to overcome that? I think the biggest, the only way to truly overcome anything in life is to attack it. That is the only way you're going to overcome anything. Um, so if someone comes in, you know, and they're truly interested in overcoming something, they have to, you got to get after it. If you don't, then you're just going to continue to, you know, go down the same path that you have been or continue to have the same fears and doubts uh within yourself as you do you know before you started because you never really tried um so yeah so many people are scared of face to face on the phone when they enter the business but yeah I, you gotta go you gotta get after it yeah that's the only that's how you get good at anything if you want to get good at pull-ups you gotta do pull-ups you want to get good at anything in life you gotta you gotta do it and it's I so think transferable too it is. Go ahead, Danny. I think that I think a lot of people are afraid of face-to-face uh, -face get face-to-face uh, -face sales or over-the-phone sales or things like that because they're afraid of the what-if factor. You know, like what if I don't make a sale? What if I don't make any money? What if the person cusses me out? And you know what? That might happen. 
that might happen. You know, you may n- not make a sale for a day. You may walk in and get cussed out. But I think that's a good thing. I think that is what pushes you to grow. Like maybe the person cusses you out, but you learn from it and you learn how to get better. Maybe you were being too pushy, you know? Um, I think that there are, people are just afraid of the unknown, but this is at the end of the day, the worst that somebody can do to you is say no. And the best thing you can do in that situation is just get better. But I would definitely rather work a uh, sales position where I dictate my worth on a daily basis than somebody telling me to sell them their life, my life for $35,000 to $50,000 a year or sell my life at a rate of you know, $20 per hour. Um, I would damn sure rather go out there and dictate my worth. All right, where does, ser- where does servant leadership fit into our sales model and why is it important? I think servant leadership should fit into every company. I mean, I don't think that has anything to do specifically with ours. Um, I mean, the law of compensation is, you know, your income equals the number of people you help and how, um, and how well you help them. So, um, I mean, I guess that's something that our business model is centered around. Like the only way to grow in the company is by helping other people grow. Um, I mean, as a business owner, the only way that you make money is if your business does well. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's our business specific. I think that's just every business. You have to be willing to help other people and help them, you know, hit their goals and do well in order for you to reap any kind of benefit. Yeah. Our business just allows it. That's, that's how the growth structure is detailed. Like in order, yeah. like it's actually, it's a prerequisite. It's a, it's a part of getting to the next step is making sure that you can make an impact on others. So it's built into ours, which, um, some people look at as a, as a negative thing, as a tough thing. I look at it as a, as an extremely positive thing because had I only had to be good at sales to get promoted, you know, to get, you know, to be able to have the, uh, opportunity that I have shit, I would have got promoted a lot faster. I mean, I was the best salesman in the entire country for two whole years on the client that we had. Uh, I would have got promoted a lot faster, but I wouldn't be nearly as good of a leader as I am. God, man, I'm so thankful that I had to, that, you know, I had those, those requirements in order to continue to grow of helping other people or else think of how pompous and selfish I would be. Um, Not just you, but imagine how many other people that uh, the exact same way. Like, I mean, and that's kind of why you see so many like so many people that can just very easily stereotype like businessmen or like corporate world or salespeople because there's a lot of people that are just snakes and they're willing to just be, um, you know, like non voracious in order to get what they want and, you know, like achieve the things that they want to achieve, like stepping on other people and being dishonest. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I totally agree to your point. It's a great thing that we have as a prerequisite because then you either become the right person, um, or like, you know, only the right people are going to get to where we are. Yeah. Salespeople aren't leaders. Like it's just the truth. If you consider yourself a salesperson, I'm, you should be working on some bigger things in your life on how to be bigger, on how to be better than, then how to be better at sales. Now, are there amazing sales jobs out there? Absolutely. Are they great jobs to have for the rest of your life? 100%. The world needs those. But in our business, I think that's the one difference is we're not trying to build a bunch of salespeople. If somebody has a mindset that I want to be the best salesperson and I'm focused on the sales aspect, they're probably, they're going to do well financially, but they're not going to do well as far as growth. Um, because in order to get to where you need to be, in order to be the person you need to be, it's required that you help other people like, or else you just don't have the valuable, you don't have as valuable of a skill set. I mean, it, it's very black and white. 
sales is a great skill set. Sales training is a better skill set. <laughs> like it's just, it's, you know, it's just like a, it's, it's like a level up. So, um, what has been the most influential book you have read on personal development and why that's going to be an easy one for me. How to win friends. Yeah. How to win friends and influence people. What about you, Bob? Yeah, I'm a huge fan of that book. Um, and it probably has been the most influential on me, but I'm going to say another one just so they have our listeners have another book that they could read. Um, and that's seven habits of highly effective people. I think yeah. that book is really what like how to win friends is definitely the best book just really ever for dealing with people, um, and developing yourself to be able to deal with people, um, yeah, and understand true. and understanding. Like, I, I think the best part of that about that book is it just gives you an understanding of why people act the way they act sometimes. So then you don't get as frustrated or why um, you act the way you act sometimes. Yeah. Um, and the way why, yeah, exactly. And, um, but I, I think seven habits had a bigger impact on my personal development because it helped me realize like you do have enough time to you know go to the gym twice a day you do have enough time to spend with time with your grandma you do have enough time to make sure everything gets done like it's it's your habits um it made me realize that my habits are what dictate my results my results don't just come it's all you know it, it's all related back to what are my habits you know um success is not an act but a habit and i just love that saying because it's so true yeah seven habits seven habits of highly effective people is an amazing book yeah for sure. it's it's a tough it's definitely a tough one to get through uh it's like a yeah. textbook but you if you put the time into mastering it it'll it'll be good it'll it'll change your life well that's why I they also have always oh go ahead kev that's why they also have Stephen Covey has a bunch of uh, videos online that you can watch and carry like and uh, and like follow along with the videos with your chapters. I would highly recommend doing that. I would highly recommend uh, following along with the videos because it allows you to see that perspective on how it's intended. And sometimes it is a little dense. It's a dense book. Um, I get. It's a great book club book. It's a tough by yourself book. Mm. It's an amazing book club book. If you hear everyone's perspective, then I think you know you'll end up getting to the point. But um, I would I would definitely say carry along or follow along with the videos that Covey has on like YouTube and stuff like that. It's really great for figuring out the roles you have in life and then setting your priorities based off of those roles. Yeah. Uh, let's go. How do you get your team to perform better? Is it the carrot or the stick? I'm a big stick guy myself. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm kidding. I'm guessing what that question means, like, is it the carrot or is it the stick? Meaning, like, do you more motivate people from, like, just, like, tough love and discipline or by, like, positive reinforcement? I'm guessing that's what that question means. Man, I wish I made the best decision all the time. <laughs> you know? Like, holy cow. It's, I, I, uh, it's a combination of both. And I think it's a maneuvering of both. But I don't think it's a... The, the, the more that I know and the more that I experience that I get, the more I realize that the stick, man, freaking Siri. All right, the more that I, uh, sorry, Siri keeps on picking up randomly out of nowhere. Um, but the more experience that I get and the more that I know teaches me that the stick is really never the answer mm. in like the traditional sense. It's never like a matter of punishment. Like in How to Win Friends and Influence yeah. People, it says, 
You know, you never never criticize. Criticize, condemn, or complain, right? Yeah, exactly. It doesn't do any good. So if you're going to fix something, fix it. But there's also another book, so we'll mix them together. And uh, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. It's an amazing book. Um, talks about the, the leader in the, at the end. It's always your fault. And it's not in a way of saying, hey, it's just all my fault just because, you know, I want you to shut up. It's You have to truly believe it's your fault because if you're the one in charge, ultimately it's it's your ass if something goes wrong. So um, I think the carrot's great with accountability. That's what I'll say. Let's go ahead and mix the, uh, mix the old quote up. It's not a carrot and a stick. It's a carrot with accountability. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, I think it depends on the person. And I think it also kind of comes down to what kind of culture you're trying to create and what culture you're um, like where you're coming from, like where your culture is at now with either like your company, your crew, your team, whatever, um, and where you want to take it. Because, um, you know, there was a period of time where, uh, you know, I think like we used a little too, a little bit too much stick, like a little bit too much, like coming down on people and just being unfiltered savages um, and, you know, just just using too much of the stick. And then we ended up with people that, you know, just didn't want to like be around each other as much, like doing extra stuff like like team night after work was a little bit difficult. Getting people like involved with that um, and just like trying to do like fun stuff was a little bit harder. And then we kind of went to a different extreme where we just went all carrot and, you know, we kind of developed a culture of like super tight knit family where everybody's like, you know, everybody loves each other and like it is a family. But then, um, now it's like a little bit harder to like hold the line with one another. And like, it's a little bit more difficult to encourage people having that tough love. Uh, so I think it comes down to the culture you have and the culture you want to get to. And then also the person at hand, because there's some people who just never respond well to the stick. Um, there's some people that will even tell you like, Hey, whenever you're coaching me, whenever you're giving me advice, don't sugarcoat it, give it to me raw, <laughs> just lay it down, like just lay into me and just tell me exactly how it is. And you're like, okay, cool. And then you do it once and they're just like, I really feel like you're coming down on me. Like, okay, cool. That's, <laughs> okay. What you said was not accurate. You might think that's what you want, but that's not at all what you need. <laughs> so that's what I got yeah, to say about that. Yeah. I think that, um, also, people don't uh, care about how much you know until they know about how much you care. I love that quote. So I think mm -hmm. before you know, give like before you can really get a team to really, really perform well, um, they have to know that you're coming from a great place. And I feel like sometimes mm -hmm. that gets lost in leadership. Um, you know, when you're only talking about you, when you're only talking about your goals, when you're only talking about where the company wants to go or where your your team needs to go, and you're not talking where they specifically want to go. Um, and helping them get to where they specifically want to be, that's the um, that's when you're making the mistake. You, you got to get people to where they want to go and talk about how you're going to do it, and then they're going to respond in the right way. So you're saying whether you're coaching with the carrot or the stick, you have to coach towards – Yeah, either way, it doesn't matter which way motivating them, but it needs to be in the direction that they want to head in. Yeah, I mean, I think that – I think that some people do get motivated more by the stick than by the carrot. I think they sure. do. I think some people, you know, and vice versa. But either way, they. I think that if you don't have a relationship with somebody and you try to motivate them with the, you know, coming down on them with the, with the stick, they're gonna, you know, tell you to fuck off and and leave. You know, and it's not gonna go very well. So I think either way, you need to coach from a place of love, caring, and help people get where they want to be. Just so everybody knows, coaching, in case you haven't heard the reference, you don't understand what we're saying, the 
um, using the carrot means that you're encouraging the soft things like that you're um, you, you're backing the person up you're making them feel good using the stick means that you're coming down on them um, it's like a criticism um, like you're holding that person accountable which I guess that makes me kind of change my initial answer but um, holding them accountable is this is the stick right yelling at somebody I I don't think I listened to an amazing video with Jocko Willink uh, yesterday, and he said that a leader should never yell. A leader should never yell at their at their people, and that's something that I really needed to uh, to see because I have a natural tendency to to boil over a little bit and want to do that. But if you as a leader have to yell at your people, that means that the the amount of things that you have had to have done wrong as the leader to get to that point is your fault. Like you're, you're yelling now because of the, uh, the amount of things that you've allowed happen until up to that point. So, um, so yeah, for the people that didn't understand it, carrot is, you know, sweet talking, encouraging the stick, holding people accountable, um, coming down on people, that kind of stuff. Holding the line, I believe, uh, one of you guys used, which is an awesome phrase. Um, the next one, what do you look for when hiring salespeople? Recruiting. I love it. Let's talk some recruiting. A hundred percent hunger, a hundred percent hunger. I don't care if somebody worked at McDonald's and didn't graduate high school, but they're the hungriest person I ever met, the most motivated person I ever met, or if they are a Harvard graduate in business, I will take the hungry person over the Harvard person all day. Um, when somebody has a big enough why of why they, uh, why they do what they do, they will figure out the how. They will figure out how to get there. Um, you know, when it's uh, when you're in St. Louis and it's snowing sideways and the snow slapping you in the face, and we have to go business to business sales, and it's negative twenty. Well, the person who you know isn't hungry, who just started because they, you know, needed a job isn't going to last. They're going to quit. They're going to find an easier job. I'm looking for the hungriest person that no matter what, they are not giving up because their family needs it. They need it. They have a bigger reason of why they're doing what they're doing. I totally agree with Danny. I think that hunger is huge. And um, a, a large part of how we structure our training is basically like anybody from any background starting from zero can pretty much learn what we do like we just give you the basics and we don't complicate it past that you know what we do um what we do is hard but it's not difficult right like it's hard work but it isn't um super mentally challenged yeah that's what i meant you guys know it. you guys get it um it's hard but it's not complicated um but uh, building on that, uh, if I had to pick a different, you know, like core value to build on since Danny already elaborated so well on hunger, um, I'd say for me, student mentality. Um, if somebody doesn't already know our systems very well um, and they're not willing to learn it, then they're just not going to be able to do our job very well. Um, but if somebody has a super strong student mentality and they're willing to just learn a ton and just soak it all in and just develop and grow and just become better, uh, then that's somebody that I can absolutely work with. Um, kind of bringing it back to Danny's analogy, I'll take the kid from McDonald's that wants to learn this job over the person who has you know years of sales experience and thinks that they already know everything. You know, I mean, I can fill an empty cup, but I can't really fill a full cup. You know, uh, because of those two, they're probably the two best, the two best things that you can look for. Um, so I can't choose that. I would say their ability to transfer energy. So if someone can control the energy in a conversation and they can transfer great energy to another person, 
not only is that going to make them a great salesperson, but it's going to make them somebody who I just want to be around. And I think that's really important when you're training somebody and you're going to be uh, in charge essentially of this person's future as far as like helping them get to where they want to go. If you can't enjoy a conversation through an interviewing process, then it's going to be really difficult to help this person get to where they want to go. So the ability to transfer uh, positive energy is, is what I'm looking for. Um, let's see. What, is the, what are the biggest changes in you as a person now than from when you entered the sales industry? Holy cow. I'll start this one out. Um, it was 100% competition, competition, competition. Um, all for Kevin. If you don't like, you don't think Kevin's way, then you're wrong. Kind of, um, like we're, we're going for it. If you're not giving your all, then I don't care. You don't get the opportunity to work with me kind of person whenever I first started. And now I understand that everyone thinks that they're working hard. Everyone, no matter where they are, truly believes that they're working hard. Some people just don't know how. So it doesn't matter how, how I think it doesn't matter what I think about how hard somebody's working. It matters what they think. And then it also matters about getting the job done. So I need to close that gap between what they believe is hard work and what the hard work actually is in order to get a job done. And I need to figure out how to get them to that point. So that is 100% the biggest change that I've made. I'm still working on it to this day. Uh, biggest change for me, I think is uh, going back to one of the uh, bad habits that was holding me back that I had to break. And that was just um, selling myself bullshit excuses. Um, I was just very soft and not mentally tough whenever I started. And I think that's probably the biggest change is that now um, I have a lot more mental fortitude and I'm able to have those conversations with myself. Like I can catch myself when the bitch voice starts sneaking in. And whenever, you know, like I start selling myself ideas that, um, that I know are just soft excuses. Um, my biggest change was caring more about where other people go than where I was going. I get far more excitement now over seeing other people's success than seeing my own. And in turn, I know that's how I'm going to become extremely successful. So I think a lot of times in sales, we want to be the highest roller. We want to be the best and things like that, which is awesome. And it's always good to set the pace. But I'll tell you what uh, is way cooler, especially in our business, is when you could train the top five sales reps in the nation and watch them succeed while you're number six. That's way cooler. And as soon as I started making that my priority, making every single person that I trained better than me, better than I was, make the process quicker than it was for me, is when I really started growing. Why do people make a big deal about being on time and organized? Wouldn't or won't good salespeople succeed without that? 100% targeted towards someone on their team. <laughs> they want, they wanted somebody to hear this answer. They wanted them to be like, this motherfucker keeps showing up late. I think that like, yeah, like uh, a good salesperson, you know, can succeed without it. I don't know. I mean, it depends on your definition of success. Like can a good salesperson go out there with just a ton of energy and like just knowing the, their pitch and knowing their product and like make a sale. Sure. But I mean, if making a sale is your definition of success, then sure, they're going to succeed. But if your definition of success is propelling past that and like 
teaching others and developing other people around you, then no, you're not going to succeed because the people around you are going to take 200% of your bad habits and only 50% of your good habits. So if you're not on time or organized, they're going to be twice as not on time and twice as not organized. So if your definition of success is, you know, running a successful company because you're an entrepreneur listening to this podcast, wanting to run your own business, then no, you won't be successful without it. That's why it's a big deal. I think salespeople can be extremely successful without it, but they're going to stay exactly what the, what the question was. They're going to stay a salesperson. And the tough thing about being a salesperson is that if you stop doing your job, guess what stops coming in? You don't make any more money. A salesperson doesn't have off days. That's the tough thing. Now, you, you can say whatever you want at this point. You can say, but what if they get really good at sales? They make huge sales when they make them. What, what likely happens whenever somebody is at that level of sales is their way of their cost of living is also going to be extremely high. What they love in life is probably going to be expensive. If they're going to continue to keep affording these nice cars, these nice things, these great things in life, they're going to have to continue to bring in new customers. Their sales are going to have to continue. If you continue to be a salesperson, you do not push past that, like Buck was saying, then you will stay a great salesperson. And like I said, it's okay to be a great salesperson. Those are needed in the world. But if you want to control what you're doing and not putting someone else in control, like if you're a salesperson for a company, ultimately they're in charge of your 401ks or your retirement plans, all that kind of stuff. What happens when that company goes, goes belly up? Like you're out of luck. Guess who's finding another sales gig? You know what I'm saying? So you'd be surprised how many people, especially at this time, 2020, the pandemic, how many people got rid of, how do people, how many people got rid of salespeople, salaried salespeople, guess who didn't get, guess who, who didn't get released <laughs> commissioned salespeople. <laughs> so, uh, the people that are working towards growing themselves. So if a salesperson can, you know, is continuously late doing all that stuff, they can't train, they can't do the right interviewing. They can't do the things that are going to propel them past sales, so they're just going to stay. They're just going to stay salespeople, and then they can continue to work in their um, influx job, where it's you know they're going to do sales over here, sales over there. They're going to set appointments, but um, they're not going to be able to navigate with other people very well, and that's not going to allow them to get past yeah, that. I think sales that role. being on time is just shows effort. You know, like I feel like uh, if you're like, let's just say you're yeah. your own boss and you're in real estate, yet you can't create the habit of being on time and you miss your showings. Like, you're not going to sell a fucking house. Man, like <laughs> almost all yeah. of them. Yeah. Bro, real estate agents are the worst, bro. Any good, any great real estate agent out there, good yeah. for freaking you. I, I want to deal with you. Yeah. Because no, they are the toughest I people to like, deal with. You know, it just shows caring. And. I can't stand people who can't even take care of themselves or don't care. You're not late for somewhere that you want to be. That's the bottom line. You're not late for somewhere you want to be. And if you don't want to be here, you don't want yeah. to be at work, then go work somewhere else. My dad always said that showing up late to something is you telling the other person that your time is worth more than theirs. Um, the next question is, what person has been the biggest influence in your life and why? How did that relationship sustain and or propel you to success? Well, um, I mean, we've already talked about this person like on almost every single episode. Um, but honestly, the person that has had the biggest influence on my life and propelled me to success is 100% my wife. 
hands down, I would not be anywhere near as far as I am in life without her. Um, I mean, she's changed my perspective on like how I think, how I feel about things. Um, she motivates me to just do the shit that I know I need to do. Like whenever that bitch voice creeps in my head, um, there's only about 50% of the voice fighting back. That's me. The other half is always her. Uh, literally last night I was sitting on the recliner and, uh, we were watching our show and we finished dinner and she was like, all right, cool. And she's like hopped up. She's like, all right, well, I'm gonna go do my outside workout. You coming? And I was like, oh man, I really don't want to. <laughs> there is not a single bit of me that does like, I got a full belly. I got to go to bed soon. I'm not trying to get all like up and moving. I don't know. And like just the bitch voice snuck in and it started, you know, trying to be persuasive. And she was the one that was like, don't, don't you have a Spartan run? And like, two weeks like you kind of need to get your ass up and train and i was like yeah i know you're 100 right all right shoes are coming on um <laughs> uh, but yeah she's 100 uh, been the biggest influence in my life and has 100 propelled me to all of the success that i've uh that i've been fortunate enough to obtain uh i have two i i, I feel like i have to say two um Num number one for nope nope you no. abide by the rules only i'm just messing <laughs> the with question ahead, yeah. says um, the question says which i don't care about people. the question um but uh no i think uh i have to say two um because number one first and foremost will always be my uh my grandpa um i mean my grandpa was basically basically my father and um i mean he just taught me so much, and uh, he taught me how to how to treat people, how to be a man, how to just everything, um, even even down to fishing. So um, I could go on and on about him, but he's he, he's the reason why I took you know the position in the first place, and you know he's the reason why I'm here right now. Um, and then secondly, I have to say uh, Mike Layfeld, he was just the perfect uh, he was the perfect leader for me at the perfect time. I think there's so many different companies that I could have started in that a hard-headed uh, young Danny would have easily been fired. Um, you know, I, I didn't <laughs> – I'm serious. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of times that Leifeld questioned if I was worth it. And, you know, I hope at this point that I've proven to him that I am. But, um, I mean, he when we had the conference, he came over to my house and uh, saw, you know, my our house and – you know, I just I would never be able to repay Mike for just taking the uh, chance on me. But he was he was literally the perfect leader at the perfect time. He was hard on me when I needed it. He was understanding and listening to me when I needed it. Um, you know, I didn't start this position at, you know, 21 years old, 20, 21 years old in a good mental spot. I was not in a you know, I was not mentally healthy and he helped me get there. And he, you know, really mentored me and also became like a, a big brother to me. Uh, right when I needed it. So those are the two people. Danny, whenever you said, um, whenever you said that, like, there's definitely times that he probably questioned, like, investing in you and, like, mentoring you. And then you start talking about the conference. I thought you were for sure going to pivot into how we, the three of us collectively decided that we were going to be absolute goofballs and wear either sleeveless or short sleeve uh, suits to his conference that he was hosting, looking like absolute clowns. <laughs> Also, congratulations to Mike for uh, getting engaged. That's awesome, right? Yeah, now, good stuff, dude. Now, also, I will say his uh, future wife did give our team at the conference the shitty sponge, which I will not forget uh, in that race. <laughs> um, we had to take about four place. extra laps. 
and people don't forget. I do want to say I appreciate you, but people don't forget. Um, my my biggest um, my biggest influences in my life, one hundred percent, my mom. Not number one as far as personal stuff. Um, if you need to know why, you can go back a few a few episodes. Don't really feel like starting the waterworks again, so won't do that. Episode but, two and a um, half. We called it three and a half every single time in that episode, and it was hey, two hey, and a half. First of all, watch we watch the word we buck. What is there a mouse in your pocket over there? Um, no, but the the other person uh, as far as the influence, I would probably say would would be Bob. That would be the biggest influence um, as far as my uh, my professional and my my I would say the past three years of my life. Um, when you're around someone every single day for you know for two years straight, it's you just can't help but to whether it be a positive or a negative influence, which. You know, we don't have to pick, we don't have to, you know, we don't have to say exactly which one it was. It was, it was almost 100% positive, but when someone is consistently, well, I mean, there's, everybody has negative aspects, right? We there's certain days where we both just end up, you know, eating, eating cereal out of a bowl off our bellies. You know, so. <laughs> that bowl is nowhere near your belly. You know, you're resting that bowl clear uh, on your chest. Yeah. That's, Belly's not so, there anymore. Uh, no, but it's, um. It's true. Like when you're around someone so much and whenever something isn't going your way and you start to make excuses and you don't have somebody to check you, you're going to stay in that. You're going to stay in that in that revolving door uh, that you're already in. But when someone finally gets there that can that can check you, I wholeheartedly believe that the best relationships in the world are the people that hold themselves accountable. And I think that's I think that's so important. And one great thing that that especially me and, and Danny do for each other and Buck as well now and Joe. So just a few of the, a few of our really close friends is we do a really great job of when one of us are fucking up, we tell her, we tell us whether we're going to like it or not. And there's been multiple times that we have not liked it. Um, we know within the next one or two days, the other person is going to come back and they're going to say, yeah, you know what? You were right. I was fucking up. So uh, my answers would be my mom and Bob. I know we're allowed um, to pick two. I'm not gonna lie, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta think outside the realm. Um, what do you think is the biggest key to success for door to door or face to face sales? The experience. Biggest, the biggest key to success. Repetition. Fucking, fucking Siri. Uh, for me, it's exp- Oh my god, fucking Siri, dude! It did it again. One hundred percent experience. Go out there and do it. Yeah. You say repetition, Buck? Yeah. I mean, I guess that's basically the same answer as Kevin's, but repetition. Yep. I mean, nothing, almost nothing in life, you can just pick it up and do it easily unless you're Danny trying to learn how to golf, which apparently it just happens. But otherwise, um, nothing in life just happens easily. You just, the only way to get good at it is by doing it. Like Kevin said earlier, you want to get good at doing pull-ups, you got to do pull-ups. You want to get good at door-to-door um, or face-to-face sales, you just got to go do them. I am a habitual sub 100 golfer now i know i know everybody you, you can you can quit clapping i get it i get Whoa. it i get it i will i get it uh, i i i will challenge that i will challenge that really are, go are ahead. you counting drops yeah i'm a consistent one under 100 i'm usually sitting around 97 to 93 that's really good for me i'm playing golf now dude minus 100 is really good all right um but uh, I think that for me, it's going to be 
It's gonna be confidence. I agree with both of them. I think experience is huge, mm-hmm. um, but you need to be confident to gain the right experience um, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, I I have to say that because that's the reason why I was not successful for, for so long. Um, you gotta you know even if you're not confident, the way that confidence is built is by going through adversity and coming out better on the other side. Um, and a lot of the times in sales, we give up before we come out on the other side uh, to gain our confidence. So understanding that not being confident right not being confident right now is okay, but you gotta go through it. You got in order to ever gain that confidence, and then through that rep- repetition. You ready for the quote? Sure. If you're Winston Churchill said, if you're going through hell, keep going. <laughs> um, so Danny, just to play devil's advocate, um, you know, what if somebody said, okay, yeah, like confidence is important, but you know, if, if I get confidence from making a sale, but, uh, like I need confidence to make a sale, but I gain my confidence from making sales and I'm not making sales. Like, where do I get my confidence from? Get your confidence, that's something that, you get your confidence um, from improvement and recognizing the improvement. Also, another person that said, if you're going through hell, keep going with Rodney Atkins. You may have heard of him. <laughs> I think Winston might have said it first. I don't think so. I think he's just a big fan of the song. Um, but uh, <laughs> you know, I think it's uh, recognizing, recognizing the improvements. You know, I think that a lot of the times, uh, I think humans just naturally are uh, – really easy it's really easy to beat yourself up and look at all the negatives and get frustrated and feel like you're not you know and i think too as society we're being trained for immediate gratification like if you you know if you want something on amazon you know in some cities now they deliver it that day um i know like uh in nashville people get stuff the exact same day because they have a, a giant amazon warehouse there um I know like you want to order a pizza, you click an app and it's there at your house in the next 10, 15 minutes. Um, and I think confidence is something that you can't get in 10 to 15 minutes. That it's confidence is something that is earned. That's why it's called confidence and not being cocky or not being arrogant. You have earned that confidence and you have to recognize the small improvements of going through it and, uh, you know, going through it and getting becoming better on the other side in order to build your confidence. So I get that you want the sale right now, but look at how much better that conversation went with that customer that even though you didn't get the sale versus the conversation, you know, two days ago where the person just immediately didn't like you because you didn't know how to smile and you didn't know how to portray any confidence at all. So it's really just about recognizing the small wins and allowing the confidence to compound. Yeah, I think confidence is 100% a a result of work ethic. I think if if you understand that you're willing to do the work to get good at something, anyone who's willing to do the work to get good at something pretty much is, is pretty much confident that they will get good at it. Like how, let's be fair with, with ourselves. Is there anything in the world that you've done that you've given 110% at that you didn't end up being good at? It just doesn't happen very often. I've never really asked that question and someone said no. So like if someone gave, you know, you could say sports or something like that, like you've really given it 110% in basketball, but no, you haven't. Like if you were a kid and you gave every single bit of your time and attention to getting good at basketball, you would probably be in the NBA, probably barring any serious amount of unathleticism. Um, what is the power of attraction and what role did it, did that play in your success? So I assume that the law of attraction, uh, I pulled it up for us so we can, uh, so we can see it. I mean, I know we all know what the law of attraction is, but just so the listeners can hear the exact definition, 
The law of attraction is a pseudoscience based on the belief that positive or negative thoughts bring positive or negative experiences into your life. So if you think positively, you will receive positive results. If you think negatively, you will receive that accordingly. So positive thoughts bring positivity. Negative thoughts bring negativity. What do you guys think? Well, I think that it's a 100%. I think it's 100% true. I mean, couldn't agree more. It's, I mean, it's 100% true. I don't. I uh, I try to catch myself as soon. I mean, I think that a great saying is you don't have control of your first thought, but you have control of the second one. Um, so it's about how quickly can you get that negative thought out of your brain. So, like, um, to give you an example, you know, I was in the field the other day and I was training somebody, and they were like, "Man, that person was a real a real bitch," and I was like. I was like, yeah, totally they were. I go, man, their life must suck being like 45, working at the front desk of a veterinary clinic for the past, you know, 20 years of their life. I bet they didn't dream about that when they were growing up. She's like, yeah, you know, I never thought about it like that. So, like, you have the option to control if you let, like, things like that just weigh on you throughout, you know, the day when it comes to sales or throughout your life, really. Like, I know people who were former athletes who let injuries weigh on them their entire lives. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) like, I would be in the pros now, but now I'm working construction. But now I'm working construction, right? Like, dude, no. Can't stand that bad shoulder, that bum knee every time. Yeah, let it let it fucking go, man. Like, so it's so true, and it will uh, it'll eat you alive if you let it. Negative thoughts. It's terrible. I changed my answer to the number one skill for uh, to get good at sales. It's the ability to control your second thought. One hundred percent. If you can go out there and someone say something to you, but nobody can control your second thought, you can always rebound faster. You'll figure out how to be good at almost any sales position, no matter what you're selling. You'll be good at it. Be good at life. Yeah, you would. Man, if you're good at life, I bet you people who are good at life will probably be pretty good at sales. Positive (laughs) attitude. Um, Yeah, the law of attraction. I, I mean, do we have anything more to say in regards to that? It's Think positive things. Vernacular matters. The words you use matter. I, yeah, I mean, I could dive into it a little bit more because it's a legitimate science. I mean, it's a that the world is made. It it, is, yeah. It's the world is made of vibrations. Um, that's why you'll hear people like, you know, like, yeah, I just, I just don't vibe with that person. That's where that saying comes from. Um, a lot of the times because their vibe is different than yours. It's a negative vibe. Yours is a positive vibe. That's why you don't vibe with that person, right? Like, Man. so the vibrations, if you're putting out positive vibrations, you are going to attract positive things towards you. If you are putting out negative vibrations, you are going to attract negative vibrations towards you. It's a legitimate science. It's not like a, that's why it's called the law of attraction, not the theory of attraction. It's called the law of vibration, not the theory of vibration. Like these are things that are true so if you go through life thinking negatively all the time you are going to get negativity all the time i know people that you know it just seems like bad shit always happens to them it's because that's what they attract towards them the uh, power of attraction and the law of vibration um basically like both of those things come like those different titles you give it uh i mean it's the entire philosophy behind vision boards if you've ever created a vision board or if anyone you know has created a vision board, that's the entire philosophy behind it is you like you pick the things that you want or like you set goals in life and then you force yourself to look at it every day, every morning. And just from exposure and just from power of attraction, law of vibrations, if you're constantly thinking about, um, you know, like those goals that you have, your body will subconsciously start doing the things that you know you need to do and start pointing you in that direction. Like the universe is going to bring it back. Yeah. The best thing that I could recommend for people is read the book Miracle Morning. 
read the book Miracle Morning. Um, Hal Elrod, shout out. Shout out, yeah. I still, I still, uh, I still. Discount code Hal Elrod, Miracle Morning. Uh, discount code 10% off. Hashtag Miracle Morning. Nobody cares what Danny has to say. Hashtag Miracle <laughs> Morning. Nobody cares what Danny has to say for 10% off at HalElrod.com. Uh, okay, so no, but he has something throughout the book. He talks about his uh, basically the routine that he has in the morning, and it's called the Savers, and it stands for silence. He starts his day off with silence. Think about this: like, how often do we all like do we ever just get to sit in silence and to ourselves, right? Like when we go home, like we turn on Netflix, or your kids are running around, or you know the significant other is asking you questions about how your day was. Like you never get time to just yourself and sit in silence, right? Um, uh, then the A stands for uh, affirmations. So like writing down your affirmations for the day. What do you um, I or just reading your affirmations? I all my my um, what are those things called? My bookmark. What are those things called? Uh, my bookmark is actually a folded up affirmation sheet that I read every single morning. And then I uh, vision. The V stands for vision. Like I sit and I think about the vision that I have. And then E stands for exercise, exercising in the morning. There's just so many extra benefits that come with exercising in the morning, then in the afternoon, um, then read, read every single morning. And then uh, the uh, S stands for scribe. And I would say that uh, this, uh, Kevin actually turned me onto this planner, but it's huge for like scribing and journaling. It's called the High Performance Planner uh, by Brennan Bouchard, which has a, uh, which has a lot of great videos on YouTube, by the way. I would definitely suggest that, like the six years of leadership and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's been extremely helpful for me when it comes to law of attraction, putting and attracting things towards me, positive thinking, um, are, are the how you start your day with positivity and following those savers, the, uh, the savers uh, routine. Winston Churchill. We got another. It's Winston Churchill Day. I'm an optimist that does not seem – too much use being anything else. Gosh, Winston, you are a true relic. You could also get the high performance planner on Amazon <laughs> and use code <laughs> Kevin's ED Milk Thistle. <laughs> milk Thistle. <laughs> milk Thistle. <laughs> Kevin's ED Milk Thistle Horny Goatweed. All right, here we go. <laughs> um. What do I need to do if I want to change my life to have more control and find happiness? Love that. My suggestion is to stop making excuses. And mine would have been... Even when they're relevant. Even when they're logical and they make sense and they're... And they're uh, what's the word? And they're uh, rational. Even if they are... If they're valid excuses, still don't make them. Yeah. You have to... It's about breaking the habit. Yeah. I would... Excuses don't get you anywhere. Extreme ownership. Jocko Willink. A, fantastic book i would say understand that you're in control a lot of people don't understand that they don't even understand the fact that they are in control of everything in their life with the law of attraction and you know with the way that they think and with um them not making any excuses like you're telling them you are in control well, dude people don't want control over their life like not it's easier it's easier not to have control like that's why people don't want it like everyone says it and everyone wants to have control over their life when they want to do something that they want to do. But when they, when they are forced to do something that they don't want to do, they choose what's easier because someone else chose it. How do I disable Siri? They, but they choose think, what they choose. Go ahead. Okay. No, no, you go ahead. I thought they you were done. What, 
they choose what's easier because no, you, you, you're never going to choose between two bad things that you decided to put in your life. So the two bad things are somebody else in control. You're just going to go with the easier thing. So it's, it's about time for you to take control of those things. So whenever it gets to a point where you want to do something good, because you've created that taking control in every situation, you can now take control of the good things as well. Excuses hold everybody back and they're easy to. So it's nobody's fault. We're not, we're not trying to convince people to, you know, that they should be better. We're convinced, we're trying to convince people that they should want to be better. Mic drop on that one, huh? Good stuff. <laughs> Next, what has been your biggest challenge to date as a business owner and how do you resolve it? Boy, oh boy, if I knew how to resolve it, man. Let me tell you. As a business um, owner, my biggest challenge to date? Yeah. I think for me personally, um, my biggest challenge to date as a business owner is just organization. That is not a strength of mine, and it's something I've been working on. So I guess how do I resolve it? Um, I guess like how I resolve it kind of goes back to what we talked about on the Habits podcast, and um, it's just keeping some sort keeping some sort of schedule. Um, for me, digital just works best just cause I'll forget, uh, something like, again, I'm not organized. So if I have like a physical thing, I'll forget it somewhere. I'll put it in my backpack, but I'll leave my backpack in the car. I'll leave it at home and I won't pack in my backpack. Um, but like for me, like something digital, uh, works best and just planning out every step of the, of the day and setting as many alerts and reminders and pop-ups as I need, um, is my best attempt at resolving it, but it's something I'm still working on. It's not something that I'm done improving on. Mine is like, I think that when it comes to running a, running a sales company and promoting people from within my company, um, I don't want to sound like conceited, but I don't think I'm serious. <laughs> I don't want to sound conceited, but I don't think I have much to work on. Um, because of the fact that I feel like I've, I've experienced it all. Um, and experience builds confidence. That's why I feel like I'm confident in that. I'm not conceited. I'm not cocky. I'm not arrogant. Um, you know, I've moved to St. Louis with four people. We've built it to 40. Then we moved to a different campaign with four people, built it to 40. Then we moved to Louisville with four people. We've built it now to 25. Like, but I think what I do, what my biggest challenge at this point is now coaching owners in my organization to be able to do what I do and be successful as I am. Um, you know, I've mentioned it in many, many podcasts before. My core value that I hold like really close to my heart is winning. That means everybody around me wins. And when I don't see the other owners winning at the same level that I'm winning, I am beating myself up thinking, how can I get better? How can I better serve them? And I don't think I've became the coach for my owners that I need to be yet that in the same way that I've been the coach to my reps and the people I initially promote out the way I have. Well, I think that answers your question. I think in a roundabout way, you did answer it. Like that's what you need to work on as a business owner. Yeah, that's what I said, being a coach like, to my owners. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just talking about bringing you back to the very beginning where you said that you, as far as your business, you didn't have anything to work on. Well, like my, my specific business. Um, well, it's your business as well, like managing, because obviously, you know, I've, you know the, the success of the people that you've provided opportunities to is your business as well. So I think that's important. I mean, everybody has that next step of something um, in regards to coaching. It's just coaching that next step. It's coaching through another filter. 
is what you're working on. Um, in regards to mine, it is, man, uh, read the, you know, let's just go through the huge list of things that, that I need to work on. I'm the exact opposite of Danny in this situation in the sense that, you know, I feel like I have so many things to work on, um, but I'm super excited to do it. My thing has always been taking a back seat. That's always been my, my, uh, my Achilles heel. I've never been good at taking the back seat. I've always wanted to be the person that has stepped up and made the last second shot. And it's time to empower other people to do that and to uh, instill the confidence in them that they know that they think they can and that they feel confident and excited to do it. Um, that's 100% uh, the biggest thing that I need to work on. So I need to, I listened to an amazing podcast with Art Williams and he said, no matter if you have, you know, a six foot five, 220 pound wide receiver, all American, um, or you have a five foot eight, you know, 170 pound, you know, one star recruit, you got to make both of them feel like an all American. So my, I guess my biggest thing that I'm working on currently is making everybody around me feel like an all American. And you know, when, when things get tough, not taking, shying away from that, that, you know, that top spot again, and continuing to encourage people to take it rather than just when it gets hard, I'm just like, all right, just give me it. Just give me the ball. I'll make the shot. Yeah. Isn't that like a fine line we walk though? Like, man, like making people feel like an all American, but at the same time, making them understand, like there's still shit to learn. You still like, yeah, you are an all American. I want you to feel that way. Like, and you are a great asset to the team. And, but at the same time, like you're like, you're wanted, you're wanted as a part of the team. You're not necessarily needed. Right, like we're gonna keep winning without you, but we want you here, and we want you to be a part of the team, and we want you to win with us. It's such a fine line that leaders walk. Yeah, I feel like people take that as like an insult, but if you got to choose between wanted and needed, nobody wants to like genuinely. Nobody wants to feel needed. Like if you really think about it, like needed, I like to think of as someone is in danger. And you have to you have to be there for that person. Like no one else can help them. Mm-hmm. That doesn't allow you much flexibility. Being needed doesn't allow either person flexibility. Mm-hmm. Being wanted allows both of the people flexibility. So it's just an ego thing when you hear when you tell somebody, I want to I want you to be wanted, not needed, and they get upset, it's an ego thing. Because being wanted is a far superior way to live uh, than being needed. That's a that's a great answer. Um, how do I motivate a team to perform at their highest levels and be consistent? Shout out to Gary Keller. I mean, you don't, you don't want to motivate a team. You want to motivate them. And like I was saying, you want to figure out what they want and help them get there. Our job as leaders is never to motivate them is what Gary Keller said. It's to motivate them. I think that everybody, not everybody, but most people have a, a, uh, you know, a hunger inside them, a, a reason why they want something inside them that they do want to work hard for. And I think it's our job as a lead, as a leader to, help them find that motivation that's deep inside them and show them how they can achieve it through whatever business that they're working in. Like in our, in our business, show them how the ownership position will help solve all their problems that they have and all of their, and achieve these great, you know, hungers and whys that they have and, you know, really just aid them in getting there and aid them in their motivation. Um, motivating people is exhausting trying to come in and do a rah-rah thing or run a challenge that lasts a day or two or something like that. It's exhausting. It's not long-lasting, and 
you know, eventually you just get burnt out on it. But I've, what I've always found is finding the hungry people, aiding them in their motivation is the best way to have a consistently motivated team is because people will always work harder for themselves and they'll work harder for, for you as a leader. So I want to, I always want to motivate them. The podcast that he's referring to is uh, the Entree Leadership Podcast with Gary Keller. It's a really great podcast. If you, anybody out there that wants to listen to another amazing podcast, Entree Leadership, Gary Keller is one of my favorite podcasts of all time. But I think as far as motivation, the difference, what you want to instill in people is not motivation. You want to instill discipline. Discipline lasts. Uh, motivation fails. So motivation is a short-term thing. Discipline is something that gets you working whenever you don't want to. Um, motivation is something that immediately runs away the moment you don't want to do something. So, um, if you really want to help your people, um, be motivated to perform at their highest levels and be consistent, you have to teach them how to be disciplined. So then consistency means every day. We all know that every day isn't, you know, all, uh, hunky dory. So we have to make sure that on the days that are tough, they're still consistent. They're still, you know, doing what they have to do. So the only way to do that is to help them with their disciplines, not to help them with their motivations. I think to motivate them uh, to perform at their highest level consistently um, kind of goes back to the carrot conversation and the power of attraction conversation. And you basically have to help you with people on your team find out what actually motivates them. Um, you know, like we talked about coaching towards our goals. We have to figure out what their actual hunger is, what their drive is, what their big picture goals are. And you have to basically help them create a system so that they're um, in a very regimented, disciplined way that that is basically like thrown in their face as often as possible. And it's at the forefront of their mind. The more often they're thinking about, you know, what actually like truly motivates them and what, you know, uh, creates that hunger within them, um, the more often they're thinking about that, the more consistently they're going to remain motivated. Right. So it kind of ties everything together with like staying disciplined about how um, you pull your motivation. You guys ready for the last one? I <laughs> am. I'm not actually. No, I am ready. Do you do you think you're a good leader? Why or why not? A great leader. Yeah. Do you think you're a great leader? Sorry, I messed up my adjectives. <laughs> I do think that I'm a great leader, to be honest with you, but I think uh, I have room to grow. Yeah, I was gonna say I I do think I have a uh, I do I do think I'm a great leader. Um, from what people like, cause like you know I think it's you're a great leader when people tell you you're a great leader. I don't think I want to be like a self-appointed tell myself that. I've just been told that from people in the past. Um, but. I have the Mamba mentality of leadership. Like I'm always thinking, how can I be a better leader? Um, I conducted an interview the other day and our candidate said, you know, the biggest room in the world is the room for improvement. Like, and that just hit me like a, a ton of bricks. Like, it's just so, it's so true. Like, so like I am, I'm extremely confident in my leadership ability to say that I'm a great, I'm a great leader. Um, but at the same time, I am humble enough 
and I have the mama mentality that I want to be a better leader every single day I walk into this office and every time I jump on a Zoom call and every time a situation comes up to lead. Because I think that most people don't understand that, you know, you could be walking in a grocery store and there's an opportunity to fucking lead. You see a piece of trash on the ground, pick it up and throw it in the garbage can right in front of the store. You see a door that could be held for an old woman, do it. Like right now, I refuse, like, and I don't, <laughs> maybe this isn't the right thing to say on the podcast. Right now, I, I refuse to wear a mask anymore. The CDC said there's no need to wear a mask anymore. So I'm going to help. I, I'm, I take it upon myself to not wear a mask anywhere I go now because I want to lead this country back into normalcy. I have w- walked into Kroger's around here with no masks, seeing people look at me and then take their mask off. So like, I just take a pride in, in um, leading in every situation possible. That's a tough question. Um, I think I'm a good leader. The reason being is I'm always willing to be the one to, to do it. I'm always, if there's something that needs to be done with the actions in regards to actions, kind of like what Danny was talking about is I'm always the one that's willing to, uh, to do what needs to be done in regards to leading. Like, so when, in regards to leading other people, I have a lot to work on. Admittedly, it's just, it's just the way that the, the numbers show me, but I think I can be confident in the fact that I am, that I am a good leader because of the fact that I understand that and I'm willing to work to get better at it. And I think that's the important part. I think that's what leadership is. It's uh, looking at a tough situation and, um, and thinking that you can make an impact, thinking that with your initial action that you can lead something that's bigger than yourself and help other people have a better life. So I think my overall mindset and my willingness to step up is something that makes me a good leader. However, I'm really, really, really excited to become a great one. I'm so excited. It, every single day looking at all my guys, it makes me more and more excited to become a better person, to become a better leader for them so then I can um, help them become one. So, man, I, I, love the, I love the spotlight. I love the center of attention, the leadership role. I cannot, I cannot convince myself that I'm a great one, but I can tell, me, I can tell myself confidently that I'm willing to put in the work and the effort all the time, which I think at the very, at the very least makes me a good one. All right, guys. So thank you so much for submitting in the questions. Please submit in more and more questions. Um, we would love, we love doing these kind of things. Obviously the best way to impact our listeners is by them asking the questions for us to answer. So hopefully we answered them thoroughly enough for you. If we did not, Uh, like I just said, submit some more questions and we'll do our best the next time. Um, but this was actually a pretty fun podcast, um, doing, you know, doing the questions and stuff like that. So please submit your podcast to Simba sales at gmail.com. Submit your podcast questions and, uh, Jesse will make sure to, uh, organize, not even our email. I won't even get here. (laughs) S2, Um, S2 at (laughs) gmail.com. Nope. No, you guys go ahead and, um, but honestly, though, we do actually want your questions. So um, send them to the email that's in the description of this podcast and um, we will. What? I can't promise. Yep. I can't promise. We have an email in the description? 
uh, under the description of this podcast, there will be the email for the podcast. I will say that like, I think that like, I think that the best thing people could do to like, and I know I'm going to be stealing this from Frizella, but the best way to spread our light is to pay it forward. Tell other people if you got something good from the podcast, pay it forward.